1: johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. To find out more, visit lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific guest for today's show, including William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about current events. We'll visit with uh, Gary Ingold. He's the president and CEO of the Community uh, Pregnancy Clinics. Great organization, doing great work right here on the Paradise Coast and all over Florida. We'll visit with Sharon Kenny, the author of Where Should We Eat? and Dave Bego, uh, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep, will be joining us as well. It is December the 11th and on this day in 2008, financier and crook Bernie Madoff was arrested in New York City in his apartment and charged with masterminding a long-running Ponzi scheme, later estimated to involve around $65 billion, making it one of the biggest investment frauds in Wall Street history. He was born in Queens, New York, founded a small trading firm bearing his name in 1960. The comp- business was established in part with money made earning, working as a lifeguard. Two decades later, the firm, which helped revolutionize the way stocks were traded, had grown into one of the largest independent trading operations in the securities industry, and he and his family lived in a life of luxury, owning multiple homes, boats, expensive art, jewelry, all that type of thing. In other words, he was a successful and uh, effective businessman. Uh, based on the success of his legitimate operations, he launched an investment advisory business as part of his firm and b- built the business uh, by the 1980s that became the Ponzi scheme, in which he later uh, paid his earlier investors with funds received from more recent investors. For years, clients of the business were sent account statements showing consistent high and fraudulent returns. Potential new customers clamored for his investment to invest their money in his business. However, in 2008, with the U.S. economy in crisis, the financial swindle began to fall apart, and his clients took money out faster than he could bring in fresh cash. On December the 10th, 2008, he revealed to his brother and two sons, who worked in the legitimate art of his business, that his investment advisory business was a fraud and nearly bankrupt. Madoff's son turned in their fa- they, sons turned in their father to federal authorities. Who arrested him the next day. He was freed on $10 million bail and placed under 24-hour arrest at his penthouse in Manhattan. The fallout from the scam was widespread. I knew I knew people that lost their life savings as a result of him. And It's true. Many people were just clamoring, hey, will you take my money? It was unbelievable. This included people in his wealthy country club, his acquaintances, Hollywood celebrities, banks, hedge funds, business owners, charities, you name it, that were investing in this thing. A guy named Harry Markopoulos repeatedly warned the Securities Exchange Commission about his suspicion that Madoff was operating a massive investment scam and fraud. Of course, they weren't listening. On March the 12, 2009, Madoff pled guilty to 11 felony counts against him, including securities fraud, money laundering, and perjury. On the 29th of the year, the Federal District Court in Manhattan sentenced him to 150 years behind bars, calling his actions extraordinarily evil. On the second anniversary of his uh, arrest, his 46-year-old son was found in his uh, Manhattan apartment lying dying by suicide. Uh, just an unbelievable amount of harm that this man did. He was running a good business, a legitimate business, and got into another business that he didn't understand. And quite frankly, many, many people suffered as a result. A little update on COVID. The Florida Department of Health reported 145 new cases, no additional deaths in Collier County on Thursday. There are 97 COVID 19 patients in Collier Hospital. That's about eight more than at the beginning of the week. So uh, the numbers are going up, but again, plenty of hospital beds right now. Uh, We're seeing lots more cases. Makes me wonder why, but uh, certainly the healthcare system is not being overrun. By the way, the Food and Drug Administration. Uh, advisory panel voted yesterday to endorse the Pfizer-BioNTech coronavirus vaccine, clearing the way for FDA leaders to authorize emergency mass distribution amid an ongoing surge of COVID-19 across the country. The vote was 17 to 4. One committee member abstained. The committee was uh, charged with voting on the following question. Based on the totality of scientific evidence evidence available, do the benefits of the vaccine outweigh its risk for use in individuals 16 years of age or older. Sounds like a pretty low bar to me, but nevertheless, that was the question. The agency found no specific uh, safety concerns among subgroups, but did list several unknowns that will need to be investigated further, including the duration of the immunity, uh, efficacy in certain high-risk populations, those previously infected, as well as uh, effectiveness among asymptomatic infection, Fatigue, headache, muscle uh, pain, chills, joint pain, and fever were listed among the things that came up, uh, adverse reactions, but were categorized as mild to moderate. Serious adverse effects remained uncommon and represented medical events that occur in the general population at a similar frequency as observed in the study. So it's off and running. Now they're starting the whole delivery process, logistics, as they say, and uh, the uh, vaccine is going to be spread around uh, the nation well another day another u.s brokered terrific peace deal following united arab emirates uh, bahrain and sudan morocco has become the fourth country since august to normalize relations with israel in a u.s brokered deal including the serbia kosovo economic normalization that began five historic deals just made this year pretty remarkable Israel and Morocco have agreed to normalize relations. As part of the deal, the U.S. will recognize Morocco's claim over the disputed Western Sahara region. Trump said Israel and Morocco will restore diplomatic and other relations, including the immediate reopening of liaison offices in Tel Aviv and uh, Rabat and the eventual opening of embassies. Uh, U.S. officials said it would also include joint overflight rights for airlines. The White House said Trump and Morocco's King Mohammed the I guess it's the sixth, have agreed in a conversation that Morocco would resume diplomatic relations between Morocco and Israel and expand economic and cultural cooperation to advance regional stability. The U.S. will also recognize the country's claim over the Western Sahara, which is, this is all great news. Notice that just right now, as things are beginning to normalize, it's going to increase trade. It's going to have a terrific, positive impact on the Middle East. Question, is the Middle East now becoming the most peaceful place? Side from Iran, in the globe. That's kind of interesting. Anyhow, uh, congratulations to the Trump administration and for pulling this off, gaining peace in the Middle East. Well, according to a New Yorker, 87-year-old Democrat, Diane Feinstein is seriously struggling, and her cognitive decline has been evident for several years. In- interesting timing for this New Yorker story, as it's been revealed that many San Francisco politicians were targeted by Chinese spies. In other words, I mean, she had, she's uh, had this driver from China for 20 years. He's a Chinese spy. Uh, and now they're saying, well, she's seriously struggling with her memory. One of Feinstein's former aides came to her defense and said rumors of her cognitive decline are greatly exaggerated. Another aide, however, said Feinstein is an incredibly effective human being, but there's definitely been deterioration in the last year. She's in a very different mode right now, she said. She was elected to the Senate in 1992, and with one year, a Chinese spy was put on her payroll. (laughs) It's unbelievable. Shortly after a Chinese—this is not—actually, it's not funny. Shortly after a Chinese spy was planted in Feinstein's office, her husband, Richard Bloom, raked in cash and made hundreds of millions of dollars off of his Chinese investments. Of course, Feinstein got away with uh, this because she had Democrat privilege. A lot of that going around lately. Earlier this week, Axios reported that a Chinese spy raised uh, money for Democrat Representative Eric Swalwell and planted an intern in his congressional office. The Chinese national, name Feng Feng or Fang Fang, I guess it's Feng Feng, A.K.A. Christine Fang, targeted politicians in California between 2011 and 15 at the direction of Chinese international spy agencies, and even had intimate relationships with two Midwestern uh, mayors. On the matter, <laughs> she actually had uh, intimate relations uh, charged with uh, uh, with uh, Swalwell. On the matter, Ted Cruz tweeted, More than once I said, screw the Chinese communists. Little did I know how closely Swalwell was listen- <laughs> listening. <laughs> it's a great line, Ted Cruz. Rick Cornell said the spy scandal with Eric Swalwell is just the tip of the iceberg and that more information on other California politicians will come out soon. And finally, uh, on this segment, anyhow, Missouri, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, South Carolina, Utah, have all formally joined the tex- Texas in the Supreme Court suit against uh, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. I think everybody's kind of s- taken sides on this whole th- thing, uh, but the case is pretty strong. The question is, will the Supreme Court hear it? I think we've talked about it yesterday, so I won't repeat it all, but. Uh, the uh, Supreme Court, now it's in their, in their court. The Pennsylvania filing calls for the Texas lawsuit, uh, the Pennsylvania filing calls that the uh, Texas lawsuit, a seditious abuse of judicial process, prompting a shocked response from con- constitutional scholar Jonathan Turley, filing with the Supreme Court is, a very an- is the very antithesis of sedition everybody's got an opinion on this, hopefully the Supreme Court, I, I hope so much the Supreme Court will take a look, as dig deep into the fraud that's been perpetrated, as well as the charges about uh, undue process uh, by these uh, four states. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. Visit lifeinnaples.net to find out more. Coming up, we're going to visit with William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob To the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by, by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. You can find out more by visiting dot Coming up, we're going to visit with Gary Ingold. He is the president and CEO of the Community Pregnancy Clinics right here on the Paradise Coast and across Florida. Right now we have with us William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me on, Bob.
1: Always a pleasure. And William, tell us about the Cato Institute.
2: You bet. Uh, We're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government.
1: Cato.org is the website. Terrific organization. So finally, uh, Emmett Sullivan, the judge in the Michael Flint case, said no mas... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maybe you could give us a summary of this whole thing.
2: Well, uh, unfortunately, it, he didn't just say no mas. Um, you know, there was much more to it, and it was the uh, a, a, the, the latest and perhaps the final outrage um, from Judge Sullivan in the course of this case. Uh, as we spoke of last week, Flynn um, was, was pardoned by Trump after being put through the legal ringer. Um, the Long story short, the, the government wanted to drop charges, uh saw it. The dismissal of charges, uh, Judge Sullivan, in a, in a remarkable posture for the judiciary, um, proceeded to prosecute the case himself. He appointed uh, an outside counsel, John Cleason, to, in essence, make the case against Flynn. Um, so we, we've had more than a year of these sorts of shenanigans. And then last September, Sullivan actually wondered aloud whether or not um, under a Biden administration could the government again refile charges. So his behavior is long and troubling. Trump uh, last week we applauded the fact that he, he pardoned Flynn from all of this. Um, Sullivan, you know, now has to dispose of the case, and you know that is he's got a docket before him. And now that uh, Flynn has been pardoned, this case has to finally go away. It should have taken one sentence. It should have just said, well, there's no more reason for this case to be before the court in light of the pardon, but that's not what he did. Um, instead, over the course of scores of pages, he publicly condemned Flynn and the Department of Justice um, for seeking to drop the charges. And, mm-hmm. and again, it was just sort of a, it's highly inappropriate. It, it really has no bearing whatsoever on the case. Um, alas, it's part of the court for how he's mistreated Flynn for you know, many years now.
1: Yeah. Uh, just as a, a footnote, though, uh, he he handled the case in Alaska, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, re- uh, said that there was judicial prosecutorial, prosecutorial misconduct in that case uh, after the election. It makes me wonder if these—in other words, uh, he, he did the right thing, but after—he could have done it a lot sooner, uh, but he, he waited until after the election. This guy is politically active, in my opinion.
2: He's. I think you're referencing Ted Stevens, the yes. Alaska senator, and the uh, uh, the cloud of the accusations against him. Um, no, you're exactly right. And while I've, I've said this repeatedly regarding Judge Sullivan in, in our many conversations, I'm loath to impugn the motives of an Article Three judge, but his behavior um, uh, it actually lends credence to, to such theories because his behavior has been so improper and yeah. bizarre even um, throughout this entire ordeal.
1: Well, uh, so let's move on. Uh, that's unfortunate, but the the election litigation right now, things are uh, moving to the. It feels like the kind of the final minute, or the final hour in the in the uh, in a game, if you will, to use an analogy. Uh, what are your thoughts about the Texas peti- uh, petition and everything that's going on?
2: Well, it, it's. I, I think to, to continue with your metaphor, if it's the final seconds of the game, um, then I would say the Republicans. Or you know those entities seeking to uh, uh, reverse the election results, or to have a different election result, I'd say they're down by at least three touchdowns. Um, you know and, and that it's looking unlikely. And this latest lawsuit um, was filed by Texas. It's actually not a lawsuit yet. They were asking for permission from the Supreme Court to file a lawsuit mm-hmm. against four states: Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Michigan. And the allegation is that these states, uh, in contra- in, uh, in conflict with the Constitution, failed to follow their own election laws for the presidential election. Um, I'll, I'll note this: seventeen other states joined on, as did 106 GOP lawmakers, and as did the President of the United States. Um, so, the, and it's a well written opinion. I mean, it's a good piece of legal work. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll, the, the Supreme Court um, shortly after it was filed ordered an expedited briefing that that is asked uh, the, the states that were being, that Texas was asking to sue, asked for them to respond and they did so with um, an inflammatory brief or a series of inflammatory briefs. Long story short, this is uh, not, notwithstanding the impressive legal work behind it. This is a, the longest of long shots. I mean, it is uh, highly unlikely that the court would want to establish a precedent of wading into national elections, or you know both elections conducted in states with federal consequences. Um, so I, I think it was even at National Review, which your listeners will know is, is a conservative magazine, um, Ed Wheelman, a legal expert over there, um, or perhaps I believe it was Andrew McCarthy, I'm sorry, um, but, but noted how long you, you can go to National Review and check out the article, but the, the odds are very long. this yeah. is just a, it's, uh, the injury to Texas, were the Supreme Court to accept that as a sufficient basis to get into court, then it would open the gates to these sorts of uh, suits. And I don't think that's the sort of thing the Supreme Court wants to take on. I think this yeah. is what is known in legal circles or in legalese as a political question. The, the sort of controversy that the Supreme Court doesn't touch because it's going to leave it to the political branches and, by extension, the voters.
1: Yeah, this, and that's my concern. Uh, that, uh, And yet there has been massive fraud. You know, from my point of view, of course, I've, I've uh, uh, from what I see, there has been massive fraud in this, and it's systemic fraud. And my hope is, I was hoping that the Supreme Court would hear this. I hope they still will but I certainly understand your point. There are still cases pending in um, uh, state uh, or federal courts. I guess they're state courts. I'm not sure, but in, in Georgia, in Wisconsin, uh, my ho- and they may end up going to the Supreme Court. So uh, this isn't over, but uh, you, what you're saying about, uh, about Texas, I certainly understand that. However, I, I think... The Supreme Court right now understands that there. My hope is that they'll understand that there's been a lot of malfeasance uh, during this election.
2: Well, I'll speak to that, and we've noted this before about how courts are the ideal fact-finding venue in this country. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think um, it's perhaps even worth the turmoil that would be caused by by disputing the election by throwing that to the courts. However, in terms of the court's fact-finding purpose. What Texas and these other states and these other GOP lawmakers are alleging, and what has been alleged in these other state suits and federal suits, um, are sobering. The the sort of inconsistent application of state law, election Mm -hmm. law, depending Mm -hmm. on the politics of jurisdiction. Yeah. um, And That is something, and I realize that much of this is perhaps idiosyncratic because we had COVID and we had, you know, an unusual amount of of non-physical, non-in-person voting. Um, However, this is striking, Um, and I I do hope that even if not yet the Supreme Court, that this does draw attention to, does shine a spotlight on uh, what does appear to be these are, you know, plausible allegations, and I'm not, you uh, know, weighing in on, on their truth, but I am saying, I'm um, often where there's smoke, there's fire, and uh, I do hope this is something as a country in a particular state by state um, that that uh, policymakers look into because yeah. it does. Um, uh, you know, I'm not an election law expert, but these allegations are troubling.
1: Yeah, they are indeed, and uh, basically, to walk away from it, I think would basically say it doesn't matter what you do that. The, Laws in your state don't matter to us. (laughs) Go ahead and do what you want to do to to win the election. It kind of has that feel, unfortunately. Uh, William Eatman again, research fellow at the Cato Institute. I genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show each week. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Gary Ingold, president and CEO of the uh, Community Pregnancy Clinics. We're going to do that more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Bigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Right now we have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Gary Ingold. He is the president and CEO of the Community Pregnancy Clinics. Gary, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Bob, it's always great to be on with you.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, You've been around for a lot of years. Maybe you can tell us about the great organization, uh, the Community uh, uh, Pregnancy Clinics, and the work that you do.
3: Sure. Yeah, always always one of my favorite subjects. Uh, we've been around now for, for over 45 years. We're a life-affirming organization that helps women with uh, that are facing an unplanned or unwanted pregnancy, and they are in that decision mold, and, and we are certainly a pro-life organization. And But um, the way we uh, bring the women in, the, the, when they come in our doors, the whole thing is about treating them with dignity and respect and compassion and, and mercy. We have a mercy model in which we approach them with, and. Uh, all of our services are free. We have an, we have an ultrasound machine, free counseling, uh, material services that they may need. We've got uh, all kinds of qualified uh, referrals that we can send them to if we can't take care of them in, the, in their situation. Uh, but it's a very positive atmosphere. And, and really what I'd like to, you know, I think what I would say is that community pregnancy clinics, it it's really uh, makes uh, hope possible for many, many families throughout Florida that, uh, I'm not sure about their decision about, uh, life. We do hope always that they will choose life. The ultrasound machine has done a great, great thing for us. It's, Save many, many babies. As I call it, the magic machine. Yeah. And when they see that child, they 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 know that there's a baby within the woman. They choose life in most cases.
1: Yeah. Kind of the context for this is uh, you find a young person. There's an unwanted pregnancy, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, nowhere to turn. Perhaps have feeling a sense of shame. There's all kinds of things that are you know. It, you really need an organization that will support you and help you with good right. information, as opposed to going to, for example, Planned Parenthood, where the first reaction is, well, we can take care of that.
3: Right, 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 right. Yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing is that we have placed our, our also replaced all of our clinics such that they're in the uh, they're in the the line of fire. Uh, most mm. of our clinics are right across the street from Planned Parenthood, are very near it, mm. uh, and we uh, we have a very uh, positive atmosphere. We try to keep it uplifted, uh, in the sense that, uh, like you said, the self esteem of of the young lady is so important to us uh, that's why we've got profet- professional medical staff. We're overseen by. Three medical professionals, uh, OBGYNs, who read all of our ultrasounds, um, we're able to uh, allow these women also that to uh, give them proof of pregnancy if they qualify for Medicaid. And we can and immediately, right after they can leave our doors, they can start over and get prenatal care over to emergency emergency center, etc. One of the places in town. So yeah. uh, everybody always wants to say that. Well, what are you doing for them after you after you uh, find out that they choose life? There's tons of stuff we're doing for them because there's so many people out there wanting to help uh, these ladies.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and of course, uh, I've been to the annual uh, Save a Life uh, meeting, uh, several Mm -hmm. of them actually. Seen some great great speakers, as a matter. We'll talk about that at the end of the segment here. But uh, you know, you see some of these babies, and they're you know they're alive, they're healthy, they're (laughs) and they're families that uh, good things happen afterwards, and it's it's just really a blessing. It's a wonderful thing to see. Now, I understand that you got a, a wonderful event that happened in the Sarasota era, uh, an organization that raised money for an ultrasound.
3: Yeah, actually it was at the University of Florida, our, our new uh, clinic that we have there. And uh, what was the bright spot of this whole thing is that we uh, we were in need of an ultrasound there. And the Knights of Columbus there, the, the young men, uh, uh, 13900, actually, that was the council, they saw the need for us to have an ultrasound machine. And they went out and, and raised the money, half of the money, and the Knights of Columbus and in in Supreme then uh, uh, you know, doubled it up and we were able to get our new ultrasound machine in there. We had a great, great uh, event where uh, Bishop uh, uh, Felipe Estevez from the Diocese of St. Augustine came over, did the blessing of the ultrasound. Uh, the other great thing is that uh, EWTN came in, uh, eternal word uh, television network uh, that you can see on television at night and they filmed it all and it got on nationwide and uh, uh, was able to promote the, the, the life uh, affirming organization that we have there, but the ultrasound As I told you at the beginning, it's it's just magic, and these young men stepped forward like men should do, and um, they raised that money, and and they got us that machine. I'd like to point out one thing, too, is that at that, uh, we had several speakers there. One was Scott O'Connor, who was the Grand Knight for the state of Florida, but also uh, State Senator Keith Perry, and I want to give a shout-out to him Mm -hmm. from District 8. He's a a pro-life individual, and he got up, and he made a little small speech, and And uh, it was very, very uh, affirming, and uh, Bishop Estevez just thought it was great, the fact that, uh, you know, religious uh, people can get together with uh, politicians and and really make things happen, a pro-life
1: movement. Great things, indeed. Now, uh, I'd like to point out also that you're very proactive. In fact, you have activities on campus to help kids understand, take responsibility and understand uh, the the, uh, consequences of of, uh, careless actions.
3: Yeah, we, we, the, we have a program called, uh, it's called SHARE, but Sexual Health and Relationship Education. So what it does, it talks about the, the beauty of human sexuality versus, uh, you know, everybody looks at it as a dirty thing all the time. It's not. Human sexuality is a beautiful thing. Uh, you and I, Bob, wouldn't be around if uh, we didn't have our parents do something that was very beautiful, right? right? Absolutely. And that was to have us. And so what we do is we go out and we uh, go to different high schools, we go to different colleges, even the through the 7th and 8th grade uh, and obviously we temper all of our our conversations at, based on the age group but it's just to get that word out there that there are consequences that if you you get involved uh, you could end up getting sexually transmitted infections which could just make your life terrible and miserable uh, and then the other thing would be the fact that uh, unfortunately you maybe uh, get someone pregnant and then you've got another life-changing thing that you've got to deal with so we're hoping to get out in front of the, uh, these uh, young men and women so that they know that there's consequences, but at the same time, there's there beauty in the sense of, of what uh, good human sexuality is all about.
1: Absolutely. You know, I had the uh, privilege of uh, uh, being at the last few events, probably the last four or five uh, events, annual yeah. events that you've had. Had a chance to see Mike Huckabee, Tucker Carlson. We've got a great event coming up in February. Maybe you could tell us about it.
3: Yeah, we are so very excited. Tim Tebow is coming in. And, and of course, with our new campus uh, uh, clinic on the University of Florida there, it's uh, it's appropriate. Uh, he's coming in on February 27th, and he'll be at the Hyatt Coconut Point uh, in Bonita Springs. And uh, we're going to be able to fit about 700 people in a in a uh, uh, in the uh, one of the rooms up there. And it's mm-hmm. going to be very safe uh, you know, as far as uh, main- maintaining all the uh, the COVID regulations and protocols. Uh, but it's going to be a great event, and um, uh, that's on February 27th at the Hyatt Coconut Point. Uh, Tim's a great, great speaker, and one of the things he always says is, "I'd rather." I'd rather uh, uh, save a baby than than win a Super Bowl, and I think that says a, a lot for his um, uh, who he is and uh, and what he's going to be like on that evening. So we welcome all of you to uh, communityforlife.com, communityforlife.com. You can find out more information, or you can uh, uh, contact uh, uh, our uh, development director at 239-262-6381, and we'll take care of you. But it's going to be a great evening, and... And uh, we hope that all of you will uh, uh, want to partake. It would, uh, so um, just give us a
1: buzz. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Lynn and I will be there for sure. I we'll always look forward to it, especially to have a, a special message from uh, Tim B- Tebow. It's going to be very exciting. Also supporting a great organization. Uh, uh, we donate each year. I think it's $720 a, uh, uh, to save a baby, if I'm not mistaken.
3: That, that's correct. That's correct. And it, and it doesn't have to be the $720 right front. We do that over a, a, a 12-month period. So it's basically sixty dollars a month. You could look at it that way. And yep. but this is our greatest event, which we we uh, where we raise our largest dollars, and uh, uh, certainly um, uh, bringing Tim Tebow, and we think he's going to do a great job to to make that happen.
1: Absolutely, community for life, a community, and let, uh, the the uh, number for community for two, life. So, right. Did I get two three nine
3: two six two six three eight one? That's our uh, that's our phone number. We uh, just direct them uh, to uh, the Tim Tebow, and we'll. Uh, Tim will program and we'll get you taken care of.
1: All right, Gary. Great organization to get community pregnancy clinics. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
3: Thanks for all you do for me, Bob. I appreciate it. And God bless everybody out there.
1: Thank you so much. All right, coming up, Bob, we're going to be visiting with Sharon Kenny. She is the author of Where Should We Eat? We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs>
0: Stay tuned for more of The Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton
1: Broadcasting Network. you
0: Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and building a new performing arts center, 44,000 square feet in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Beagle, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Right now we have with us Sharon Kenny. Sharon writes commentary for on uh, news on uh, entertainment, dining, and travel. She also had wrote a book. It's a terrific book. It's called "Where Should We Eat?" Sharon. Thank you so much for joining us.
4: Hey, good morning, Bob. Calling from beautiful downtown Miami this morning.
1: Downtown Miami. So uh, here we are. We're kind of going into the Christmas season and uh, New Year's, and uh, so uh, always look to you for advice on what's going on and how to how to get it arranged. What's going on?
4: Well, there's lots of, uh, you know, if you missed their uh, last week, downtown 5th Avenue was closed for a couple of nights for Christmas on 5th, mm. uh, where they did the tree lighting and stuff. It looked amazing. All of the restaurants spilled out onto the street. They had the Christmas tree lighting. They had a an actual ice rink
5: mm-hmm. in downtown
4: 5th a- Avenue, which is pretty cool. Um, and a lot of people came out. A lot of people um, seemed like it was a wonderful experience yeah i am avoiding these large events right now i've had now seven close friends in the past two months that uh, have had covid Mm. and uh so i i feel like it's the end of world war ii and hitler is dead the japanese haven't surrendered (laughs) but the war is over and i don't want to get killed you know i I don't be one of the last people to get it
1: seven people wow that's amazing because you know i i do know uh some folks that have had covid 19 but uh uh, I have not uh, actually socialized with them uh, you know, during that period of time. In other words, uh, I know them, but uh, I don't have reason or concern about having uh, gotten the disease or gotten the virus from them. How about you?
4: Yes, I did have to quarantine for 14 days. Oh. Um, I had dinner with friends who's, that had been at a wedding in St. Louis. All of the people that I know, all were exposed up north. Uh, no one got it here in Naples. Uh, oh. They were all exposed. Uh, they were at events up north. Uh, this in particular, the friends of mine who went to a family wedding in Missouri in the Ozarks at a lovely resort. The entire wedding party got sick. These 30 people on their side of the wedding, oh, wow. their family all got COVID, including the bride and groom.
1: What a an nice gift.
4: Um, <laughs> And their family all got it. All six people of their, you know, immediate family got COVID as a result. And I had had dinner with them the day after they got back, and so and they didn't know that they had were then positive, and they called me the next day. So I had to do fourteen days of quarantine. Wow! And you know when you do it when you are exposed like that, and I did get tested and I didn't have it, luckily, thank God. Um, but you it's funny how your position changes from sure. one of, uh, is it defense to then offense? You know, you, you feel like, I don't want to get it, yeah. but then suddenly it changed to, I don't want to get anybody else sick.
1: So, so uh, I
4: put myself, imposed my quarantine on myself because I didn't want to get anyone else sick.
1: Yeah, so that's a great context to, to talk about. Uh, so given all this, and certainly I know you're going to be careful and you're concerned about other people's health as well as your own, how are you going to deal with the reason?
4: We have are making the same decision we made at Thanksgiving. Um, we are limiting our exposure uh, to small groups, like four people, seven, six people at the most. Mm-hmm. Um, we were invited to a Thanksgiving party, which turned out to be over twenty people, and we declined. Mm-hmm. Um, just not worth it at this point. So mm-hmm. we're going to do small gatherings we do go to restaurants all the time Mm -hmm. and you know judging terms of spacing we sit inside but as long as the tables are spaced out enough that you're not you know on top of anybody else Mm -hmm. uh, then we feel fine about that um so we do go out we don't hide in our house by any means and uh we're and you know stores and stuff we just wear masks we exercise a lot outside and you know depending on where we are the farmer's market on third Um, Is something we do every week. The farmer's market has been great. Um, And for the most part, people are there. There are signs at the farmer's market asking you to wear a mask, even Mm -hmm. though you're outside, because it's close quarters. There are a lot of people Mm -hmm. at the farmer's market. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, for the most part, um, I'd say 75% of people are being compliant about that. So, um, you do the best you can. Mm -hmm. And thank God things look better. But at the same time, you know, with the vaccine on the horizon now, seems like such a terrible thing to be getting COVID at this point in time.
1: Absolutely. Are you going to get vaccinated?
4: As I would get the vaccine today if I could.
1: Yeah, interesting. Okay.
4: Absolutely getting vaccinated.
1: All right. So uh, all that said, uh, the, the holidays, uh, what are some of the things that we should know about and think about uh, for reservations?
4: So things to think about, there are no fireworks this year city of Naples has canceled the fireworks for New Year's Eve, so make your plans accordingly. I mean, that was a huge draw and something that, you know, people planned their New Year's Eve around. Right. But there will be definitely New Year's Eve parties. We've already started getting emails. And I think that uh, for most of us, um, you know, again, the smaller groups are going to be the norm. And I think restaurants that do have small, you know, have restrictions and have safe... Uh, for example... Uh, Continental does a great job. 90% of Continental is on the outside. And so um, I, I we were there for Thanksgiving, and they did an incredible job. I think places like that are going to be extremely popular. Some of them have not released their reservation systems for New Year's Eve yet, but I would say contact your favorite restaurant now, um, considering, what are we, only three weeks from New Year's Eve? Yeah. <laughs> is that possible?
1: Yeah, it's, it's amazing, so, isn't it?
4: Uh, yeah, I would say contact your favorite restaurant now, and if they haven't opened New Year's Eve reservations yet, find out when they do and get on that list, because it will be, i say, very, very busy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me, though, uh, Alexander's Restaurant is a terrific uh, stop. I think Alexander's been there for years, I think over 20 years now. Diana, is a uh, receptionist or maitre d', is uh, retiring at the uh, January first, and uh, for those that met met her and know her. She's terrific. She she is just runs the front of the restaurant, and so uh, it'll be sad to see her go. But for those of you that know Alexanders, me, I want to stop by before she retires and say say goodbye.
4: And Bob, I'm glad you mentioned Alexanders. Big shout out! I was there about two weeks ago, and they are a restaurant that has just absolutely thrived. I think during COVID, they have taken over basically their entire that entire outdoor courtyard that they had mm-hmm. um, within that building. And from an outdoor area of maybe, what, five tables? They now have, I'd say, 25 tables outside. And it is beautiful, yeah, and, absolutely beautiful
1: outside. And for the uh, cool, cooler weather, they have these uh, heat lamps as well, which make it very, very enjoyable as well. I mean, I, I think he does a great job. I like Alex a lot. And uh, Alex Bernard, he, he owns the restaurant, does a great job. So. Uh, Swing by Alexander's definitely is a great place to go. Always appreciate your commentary here on the show, Sharon. Again, in Miami, what are your big plans in Miami this weekend?
4: Oh, well, I'm doing some work with the cruise lines this week. We have, uh, uh, the cruise lines are starting to come back. You can see for the first time since springtime, cruise ships are in Port Miami. Wow. um, And they're going through a series of protocols to get, uh, certified by the cdc in order to sail in american waters so that's a good sign that's a very hopeful sign and it's nice to hear every once in a while you hear the cruise ship horns as they're entering and leaving the port
1: absolutely sharon appreciate your commentary thanks so much for joining us
4: great to talk to you as always bob
1: thank you so much all right coming up we're going to visit with dave bigo dave is the author of the devil at our doorstep Uh, we're going to do that and more right here on the bob hardin show on the bob hardin broadcasting network
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show, here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children. The government does. Doesn't provide, And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host,
1: Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We have with us Dave Bego. He is the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Uh, it's a book he wrote. I'm sure you wish you didn't have to write it. It's a terrific read. It's about the uh, dealing with the travails of uh, union bosses from SEIU over the course of two and a half years. And they played dirty tricks on him, his customers, uh, in the newspapers, whatever they could do in order to try and get him, pressure him, intimidate him into signing a neutrality agreement which would allow the union work our bosses to go around and sign up his employees for uh, to be in the union. He said, no, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to do it through secret ballot. Well, they didn't want to do that. Why, of course, is the question. But nevertheless, he prevailed. And uh, they went off like rats on a sinking ship after two and a half years. Dave, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, thanks for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. So, speaking of unions, uh, and here we are in the 11th hour of the elections, what's going on in Georgia?
5: Well, the the unions are spending millions of dollars um, down in Georgia to flip those two seats down there, and they're doing several things. Um, They're putting out ads in the newspapers and flyers and sending out massive emails to the people in Georgia, uh, massive mails, um, you know, all kind of digital ads and text messages. They're running attention-grabbing newspaper ads um, and sent a team of key staff to personally brief editorial writers. Um, mm. And they're doing hard-hitting TV ads. And then they've got uh, a bunch of their people on the ground down there going around, um, talking to people and pressuring them.
1: Sad indeed. It's I mean, you know, To me, I'm so concerned about what's happening in Georgia because it looks like they're going to have the... Uh, the- the same thing that happened in the mail-in ballots—they uh, got—they have the same machines, the uh, Dominion uh, voting machines. It's, it, you know, it's just set up for fraud uh, once again. David, are you there, Bob, yeah, are you there? Did you hear yeah. me? Yeah,
5: I, I lost you for a second.
1: Oh, sorry about that. Well, I, I was simply commenting that it looks like that everything is uh, instead of fixing the problems they had, they created the problems in Georgia in the first place. They are leaving everything as it was including the Dominion voting machines and, uh, and uh, mail-in ballots.
5: Well, Bob, I think this going back to the unions, because the unions are putting or intimidating the politicians down there, the Republican politicians. And uh, just like I talk about in my book, how they tried to intimidate me and our company and that, and, you know, they attacked us and put pressure on us all the time. I think the same thing is going on down there because the unions, they want to get back all the regulations that, Uh, Trump had the National Labor Relations Board wipe out and they want to put in the PRO Act um, and uh, get that going so that they can uh, start um, card check and force unionism again and uh, take away people's rights and get rid of the national right to work all across the country.
1: Yeah. What is the PRO Act?
5: Um, It's uh, like I say, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a bill that they want to put in that um, they call it the so-called brother wipe out every right to work in America and the vote would make a difference and they would um, uh, like say um, they would uh, have um, card check uh, force use and put back into place and that's uh, it. to them that's a pro uh,
1: disappointing indeed so I mean uh, for all of us so you, we live sometimes our lives are it's intimidation free we take so much for granted I don't know if you saw that video of that Michigan uh, state. Uh, a representative who uh, put on Facebook those intimidating comments towards the uh, geo towards Trump supporters. It was very, you know, she said, "We're going to come out and get you. you. You you better walk lightly." Did you see that? No, I didn't
5: see that, but it doesn't surprise me at all because she's controlled by the union up there.
1: Yeah, well, you know, the fact that uh, she's been reprimanded for it, but the point is that this is uh, this is another element of what that we don't see. There's uh, actual intimidation tactics, and I think it may have has something to do with uh, how the governor's behaving as well as the, uh, the, uh, uh, the attorney general up there.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, they, they are, they're, um, always, uh, the unions are behind all this cause they spent, uh, billions on the 2020 election hmm. and they're doing everything they can to make sure that this thing doesn't get, um, overturned. And, um, you know, they're going to be up there and, and, Bob, again, if you go and read my book, The Devil at Our Doorstep, all the tactics they used against me, that's what they're using today um, across the country to get this election to stay in place and Biden president and uh, and, uh, get back their Ability to go out and force unionizing people across the country yeah. and help the left overturn this and turn us into a socialist communist country.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, there's the now the information is leaked out that uh, Hunter Biden is being investigated, that James Biden is now being investigated. It makes me very suspicious of what's happening. It makes me wonder if perhaps if this, uh, if in fact uh, there is a President Biden, if that occurs, if they're not setting the table to uh, oust him so that Kamala can take over.
5: Well, Kamala or Obama behind the scenes, which I believe is, but, uh, you know, Biden is putting people in, um, and, um, you know, the, uh, Soros is also being putting a lot of pressure on Biden, and he's, he's got one guy <clears throat> that's uh, been part of the Soros group called Axios, and um, um, reported that there's a suggestion he could join the Biden administration, possibly as labor secretary. And the bad thing about this, he has past knowledge of labor unions having worked for the Service Employees International Union, the SEIU, that I beat.
1: Hmm. Well, uh, you know, you take a look at the lineup of the people that he wants to put in his cabinet, uh, quote-unquote President-elect uh, Biden. I'm, I'm so hopeful that uh, we'll see that justice will prevail and the, all the corruption that's gone on, perhaps through uh, the state uh, cases that are going on and perhaps this Texas case in the Supreme Court. Uh, again, the the uh, Pennsylvania uh, case is still at the Supreme Court, and uh, and I'm just hopeful that somehow, some way, justice will prevail because it would be very would be detrimental. We're, we just slide into socialism as quick as you could say, buscat If in fact we end up with the president, uh, Biden. Yeah, I
5: know. It's um, I, I'm hoping the Supreme Court stands up and does the right thing, and uh, you know these other. All these other legal things are going to be brought in front of them. They stand to do the right things. And we, as you say, we get this thing overturned. And President uh, Trump gets his second term. And uh, we keep the majority for the Republican Party in the U.S. Senate.
1: Absolutely. I know that uh, Sidney Powell and the work that she's doing, that's more long-term. I think she wants to clarify, create, uh, and and uh, make sure that she completes even after the election, the cases, the pursuit of justice, and make sure that people, criminals who've been who've cheated in this election, and then she wants to correct the things that have been uh, that are wrong. But she could be helpful also in the uh, to retain Trump to give ju- justice to Trump as well. So I'm hopeful that uh, her work will continue.
5: Yeah, I, ho- I hope so too, and um, because uh, at the end of the day. They just want to bring us down and uh, turn us into a socialist, communist country and control us. And uh, people got to wake up and understand that if they do that, it's going to be an ugly livelihood for all people across this country.
1: Absolutely. Dave Beagle, again, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. I encourage you to visit uh, the website, thedevilatourdoorstep.com. You can also buy his book on my website at a nice discount, bobharden.com. Again, The Devil at Our Doorstep and of course at any uh, book purveyor as well. It's a great read. Uh, It's actually a very entertaining read because you can't make up the stuff that these people uh, do that's so evil, it's unbelievable. But uh, the same thing that uh, happened to Dave, it's the playbook for the Democrat Party right now, and uh, that's exactly how they behave. Dave, really appreciate your contribution here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
5: Oh yeah, I just want to say one other thing, real quick, Bob. Sure. Back to uh, socialism, communism. Remember, I wrote blogs for a long time, and after my second book, The Devil at Our Doorstep, came out, about I don't know three or four weeks after that, I wrote another blog called Communism at the Highest Level, because a lady in California sent me an um, an article from the Los Angeles Times that the S.C.I.U. are communists. They march in the streets of uh, California every year with the Communist Party, and. People got to understand something. President Biden, before he got uh, inaugurated as president, uh, worked for the SEIU.
1: Unbelievable. And, of course, the guy that's running for the Senate in Georgia, he had uh, Padel Castro at his church for a standing ovation. Unbelievable. Uh, Again, Dave, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Thanks. Have a great weekend. You as well. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. I always appreciate your comments uh, and, and emails. You can send me an email at bobhardin at hotmail.com, bobhardin at hotmail.com. If you'd like to be on the mailing list for the newsletter I send out, uh, just put that in the email as well. Uh, on Monday, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, traffic terrific website. We'll be talking about current global events, Uh, Larry Reed is a professor emeritus at the Foundation for Economic Education. We'll have a a visit with Larry as well as Jim McTagg, He is former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of a couple of Murder Mysteries, uh, Follow the Leader, and Shake the Money Tree set in Washington, D.C. Very entertaining books. We'll visit with Jim as well. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.